Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. On a week where Nicey misses the train and therefore misses the podcast, we're back with Pistol Mate. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Chiso. It's nice having you on a Monday podcast rather than the Thursday podcast. What's going on there, Chiso? Look, uh, JB's caught an illness. I think that illness is uh, sleep deprivation because of Fortnite. Um, (laughs) You've heard it from a current affair. You've heard it from everywhere. It's a general addiction turning uh, young um, gentlemen like myself into Zombies Pistol. Gladly it hasn't taken over you yet and you're here with the podcast for me this week. Mate, how's your team going? Because uh, every single injury, as I say every week, hits my side. And, and yet again, I've uh, just been slain coming into the next round. I mean, I feel like I've done really well this season, given the amount of injuries I've copped. I mean, I've, I've held Kelly this entire time, but um, I'm, I did score 2-3-3-4 three, three, with Kelly and um, a couple of bad rookie decisions and captaincy decisions. But yeah, just... Hovering just outside the 5K at the moment, and hopefully with Kelly in, as well as bringing in McRae this week, which oh, just, you know, that little little bit too late, Chizo, but um, yeah, had the, have the money anyway. So bringing in those ones hopefully will uh, propel me towards a, a 1K finish, um, or at least pushing towards the top 1K around the end of the buys. Look, we were tagged on Twitter during the week about whether um, would you bring in like an Oliver or McRae or these kind of guys. And I think uh, between you and I, we both said that McRae is just, he's in, he's gone to that next level. And I was really open that, I, you know, I didn't see this coming. I, You know, once he lost his DPP, I thought he was going to be a 105 kind of midfielder. But he's just, he, he's one of the only players that they're not like rotating on a fortnightly basis as a uh, you know a forward pocket player like these kind of uh, these kind of guys that that Bevo does he's just an out and out gun in the midfield and you know he's going to sit there for a lot of years to come and I, I I think it's safe to say this is the breakout you know we go through every year saying who's going to be the the next one to step up it was like a Josh Kelly or an Oliver last year McRae looks like the one this year that's going to go 115 for the entire season that everyone's like oh you know I saw that coming but never did anything about it he could be the one pistol so um i have no dramas uh whether you you, you get him during the buys or, or get him now because i think he's going to be a valid option and his buy uh seems to help as well for a lot of teams pistol uh we might as well jump first through the cancer council because uh, i do like giving the shout outs to the guys that you know really help out with our cancer council fund i might let you jump through those uh and uh tell us uh, the donation and uh, what we're up to at the moment yeah thanks Shizu. so Firstly, say a massive big thank you to um, Jeff Lane, who gave us some really nice comments. And um, it definitely, the donation that he gave definitely does um, make us feel very loved. And the, the extra hours we do put in um, definitely does feel worthwhile. And also to Kevin Aston Hoey again with another Donate for Donuts. We appreciate your Donate for Donuts support, but at the same time, we're saddened by the fact you keep donating for donuts because you, you keep copping donuts. So um, that is not good. And hopefully you didn't get a donut this week, um, which I'm sure we'll find out about um, shortly if there is another donation. But so far for the year, up to $830, which is fantastic because that means, Chizo, we're pushing overall um, the $4,000 mark in what we've raised in total over the last two and a half seasons. So um, we're right up there, Chizo. 
Yeah, no, it, it, it's a, a total that I don't think we ever thought that we'd reach. So we're grateful for everyone that has donated. We've had $1 donations. We have $100 donations, and we appreciate them all the same. Uh, I'm not sure, just going back to Kevin, I'm not sure if it's Hoey or Homer because he seems to be really uh, loving those donuts at this stage. Um, <laughs> I could be joining the club soon with the uh, the amount of rookies that are um, uh, in and out on any given week. Um, Guelphie almost caught me last week. So uh, my uh, 50 bucks a donut is really starting to scare me here pistol um but yeah great news absolutely loving it and uh, uh we might as well jump uh into the big news for the week uh, just before we go through the uh um the round recaps i do want to touch on one right at the start of the podcast um, we've been getting a little bit on twitter nick nat obviously out for a week after his little indiscretion on carl amon uh in the weekend just passed if you have nick nat we always said that he wouldn't play a full preseason, and at some point you're probably going to have to trade him out. Is it one of those situations where we can kind of utilize that, or is is this something that we just have to hold and probably cup a donut pistol? This is the worst case scenario because it's occurred before the buy. So now, hopefully, you have Tim English's cover. If you don't have Tim English, maybe you have um, Oscar McInery from from Brisbane, or maybe you had the. Uh, the Gold Coast bloke that played as well, the Crosby or, or something, I think his name was. So if you don't have one of them, then you're probably looking to trade. And if you're looking to trade, I don't think you can go past Grundy, but I'm a little bit concerned because Grundy does look very sore, Chizo. So I'm worried that Grundy's going to cop a rest sometime soon. So it's not a great situation to be in. And is it worth copping a donut? I think it's something that um, I don't like suggesting, but given the price difference between Nick Nat and Grundy and really... You're kind of wasting your time if you get anyone in between. So I think if you can't afford to get Grundy, and especially if Grundy is happens to be rested this week, who knows what will happen um, when teams are named. I'm not suggesting he will be, but it's, it's possible. Um, if that happens, then I think you might be forced to just cop on Chizo. Yeah, it's definitely a tough situation. We said in the preseason that we didn't think Nick Nat was, uh, you know, coming back from an ACL and being Nick Nat himself, he's not going to play 22 straight games. You're going to have to either trade him or have cover at some point. The fact that we have no cover leads us into the um, the situation where if you're going to, um, you want to avoid a donut, you have to get rid of him. The only other situation you might have is if, you potentially want to do um, your R3 to a McInerney or something like that from Brisbane. The only, he is on the bubble. The only problem with that is you're using one trade to get him in and then to activate those funds and use them um, at, use him as a cash cow, you have to trade him out. So you'd be using three, uh, sorry, two trades on you know your R three. So uh, it doesn't really seem like a good option for you know maybe a hundred k if everything goes well. So in that situation, I probably would uh, suggest. Nick Nat to another premium. As you say, I traded in Grundy, so of course he's injured. He's got that you know, that sore <laughs> spot in his shin. So as long as he doesn't go like Anderson Silver and it goes off at 90 degrees, we should be okay uh, in the long Ooh. run. But he might have uh, he might have a, a week uh, just to kind of uh, recuperate and get that um, that shin feeling a little bit better because. You know, one of those little sore points can turn into a hot spot, as we saw with Toby Green. So, and that's a, a, a much bigger issue. So, uh, could be uh, could be a rest coming up. So, just keep that in mind. Um, I'll throw you a left field one here, Pistol. Paddy Ryder's not far away. If Paddy Ryder was in this week, would you consider? You know, you've been saying um, 
uh, that you know what a great option he is, and if he continues to average like a 100, 105, is Paddy Ryder someone that you consider trading into, considering that he he might actually uh, cost cost you a donut in the coming weeks? I mean, that's a tough decision because he's coming off. I mean, he got injured in the first game, so not really his fault in this game. He he didn't score particularly well in the 60s. He hasn't dropped in price yet, Chizo. So you're not actually getting any. You're paying a lot to get Ryder in. Um, for somebody that is still quite a large gamble. Whilst I think he's pretty safe, I mean, would you rather just get someone like Steph Martin who's you know going at 103 um, and costs less um, than Ryder and just, just hope for the best? But I'll throw an even <laughs> an e- even crazier option at you, Chizo. Sure. Someone that is going, I guess, under the radar, probably for good reason, but he is nonetheless scoring very well as a rock option, 520K. I'm talking about Callum Sinclair, Averaging 108 points this year. This can't be real, can it? <laughs> it's 100 percent real. It can't be. Like he's played every round, and he's still averaging 108.1. Like this, this is no fluke. You know what no. I mean? Like he, there's two clear ruckmen in the competition right now. There's Gorn going at 130. There's Grundy going at 124, and then there's Callum Sinclair at 108, <laughs> and then Steph Martin at 104. They're the only two others above 100 it's it's ridiculous and the reason that i was throwing the rider one up here because if you can go at 105 you know that's 10 points higher than fifth place which is jared witz at, at 96 and you know like a mcavoy at 96 so you would uh, over the course of 10 rounds you'd uh, you'd make up the points you lose in the donut which was your whole premise at the start of the year but callum sinclair i just i honestly can't believe it because Going, going, I would have no other way to describe him but an absolute spud. (laughs) (laughs) He just seems to be scoring every single week. It does help that uh, Sydney, for the first time in their life, is you know really playing a just a singular ruckman and not giving them a backup that you know sits on the bench or up in the forward line. And Dean Towers is just jumping around like a turkey with no head. So um, I think that's definitely helping him, but. Can we see this going for the long term? I mean, he, the thing is, he doesn't have a great buy either, being the Sydney buy. So, um, if you're looking at like a you know a, a Parker or a Dusty or, or these kind of guys, you've got to take that in consideration. Um, for me personally, I'd probably be using that as an excuse. I, I don't know if I I've got a no flogs um, rule in my team, so I think maybe that that's uh, why I'd be sticking away from your pistol. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's done that's made you think that he's a flog, but I think it's more like, can we sit here and really suggest to an audience to trade Callum Sinclair? I mean, you'd have to be so ballsy. He's he's a massive POD. He's in less than 3% of teams. He is scoring well, but I feel like we could say, you know, I'd rather take the risk on Steph Martin, who's got another Rackman in the side with him currently and still scoring well because of the amount of possessions he gets then go for Callum Sinclair, who has played incredibly well pretty much every game this round, Chizo. He's he's playing exceptionally well, but we've just never seen anything like this before from Callum Sinclair. And actually, breakout Ruckmans in general don't generally come from like an average Ruckman just becoming elite. It's always like a young Ruckman with elite potential becoming elite. You know, like Grundy was an elite junior coming elite. Cruz was pick one becoming elite. This is Callum Sinclair just randomly coming elite and averaging 108. I, I don't feel comfortable suggesting it. Um, so in that case, if you can't afford Grundy or just don't want to, I think still 
Steph has to be the one to go to. Yeah, uh, I th- I think it's going to appeal to a few people because he does have less than 3% ownership. So there's going to be a few people jump on because of that uniqueness. But I'm with you. Like it, it's, it's so rare that we just see someone from left field kind of jump up. You touched on McRae before. He has always been an elite player, top 10 draft pick. He's always been um, someone that we knew were going to, going to be a fantastic player. And so when he breaks out, it doesn't surprise us. When Callum Sinclair does it, we're just like, it's like a few years ago when we when Jared Waite did it to start the year or Travis Cloak and we were just waiting for him to drop off. It just doesn't seem to be happening. So um, I, I think if you can't afford Brody Grundy and you do want someone a little bit more unique, then why not? But... Uh, it certainly takes some balls to do it because I wouldn't be doing it. Pistol, I just, I, I just, I, I take too many risks as it is with half of my side apparently because they all get injured. So, what's the chance of me getting picking Callum Sinclair, thinking he's going to go well and he's just going to fall off the face of the earth? So, um, look, I don't hate it, but I'm with you. I think I'd go with someone that's tried and true, like Steph Martin. Even though you know he's averaging 104, but he's got that extended uh, history of being a decent scorer. So, um, I'd have less of a problem with that one. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, a few of the topics that we do want to talk about. We'll get into some bubble boys probably towards the end, Pistol. We might as well jump into the round recaps. Uh, Friday night, Cats versus the Giants. Ripper game this one, wasn't it? Uh, we were all <laughs> expecting it to be, you know, a, a less than 10-point victory to one of the sides. Could the Giants get up? And it was just an absolute smashing and uh, almost an embarrassment because... The Giants are turning into flat-track bullies themselves. They just don't win away from home anymore. Like I know they've got injuries, but they don't even seem to be uh, able to mould their game to a different style away from home. They, they, it's all out attack. It's all out run. They're not able to shut down teams that are able to counter-attack against them, and, and that's the thing that gets them more often than not. I mean, as soon as Jeremy Cameron was out and Lobb was out, I'm like, I'm not really sure how the Giants are going to kick goals and I was also wondering who was going to stand up and the answer really was no one. I mean, she'll, she'll had a good game and he can probably hold his head high but from a super coach perspective especially no one on the GWS side cracked the ton Chiso. It, it, just none which is insane because you look at the, the Geelong side and you, you see you know, you've got more than half a dozen players cracking the ton and even more scoring above 80. It's like more than half their side, literally more than half their side scored above 80. So just in comparison, it's just insane. One way the whole time. And John Katz, even with the young players in their side, are just getting it done. Yeah, it, it's certainly interesting. Um, you know, even on the Dream Team side of things, they only have one person crack the ton. Um, and with so many players on the Cats side, you know, soaking up a lot of those points, it made it hard for those guys that were actually getting the ball to score. So you're looking at a shield that had 32 touches that still only put up an 83 in Supercoach. Canelio had his 28 disposals, five tackles that he does every week. He had 10 contested possessions. You know, he does that every week, only put up a 60, 64 or 62 or something like that because they just weren't, in the game at all. So there was no impact that they were having with the ball. And I think I talked about you, uh, uh, talked about you, talked to you about it at the time. I do that as well, but that's, you know, in someone else's DMs, don't worry about it. Draft league. (laughs) Uh, He was just uh, under so much pressure all the time, Canelio, that he'd get the ball, he'd tuck it on the left boot, just bomb it forward and just turn it over time and time again. I think um, Frico tweeted out that of his 28 disposals, he had six effective um, or six effective disposals, you know, 32% um, disposal efficiency on the night with uh, 10 clangers is just, you know, uh, he, 
what I'm trying to say is he didn't have a bad game. It's just reasons to why he scored so low. But, you know, if you look on the, the cat side of things here, Pistol, Tim Kelly, 115. Are we even going to need to trade this guy out? That's the question. It's a great question as well because he's scoring unbelievably well. I think no one in their right mind is willing to trade out Tim Kelly at this stage. I think people are just going to wait and see at the round 14 by see what he's averaging. If he's going 105 or so, you're probably just not going to trade him out. But if if he drops off a bit, I know he had like a two, I'd say poor games, or poor by his standard um, games in the row. If he, if he gets a, a couple of those 70 scores between now and round 14, people might decide to trade him out at his buy to, you know, like a McRae or an Oliver or something like that. But yeah, at this stage, Chizo, he's just looking like the perfect M8. Well, I'll propose this to you. Um, it's not something we've talked about previously. Usually we cover a lot of things before the podcast. Tim Kelly obviously has the same buy as Danger Durr, but right now he's got a break-even of 18. He's projected to, by round 10 or round 11, have a break-even of 85 to the 90 range, meaning that he's topping out just before his buy. Could we potentially save ourselves um, bringing in another round 14 premium and offsetting our buys and upsetting our teams going through the buys going to you know Tim Kelly to Danger because Dangerfield looks a little bit sore. He's playing 40%, uh, 50% forward in, in the uh, the last uh, three or four weeks. At some point, he's going to come out and go bang. Like he, He's averaging 112 on one leg right now, Pistol. So could we potentially factor that in if we're looking forward towards the buyers to keep our structures in alignment that Tim Kelly is going to top out just you know around the time that Paddy Dangerfield goes bang you know almost a almost a straight trade by that's uh, by the way they're going uh, pistol maybe 50 100,000 the difference and it keeps our buyers in place that's, uh, that's something I'm just thinking about yeah it's definitely an option but um, for me personally, I definitely like to trade through the buys and just pretty much avoid. Because if you trade, if you trade Tim Kelly to Dangerfield, you're still at round 14. Um, you still have not a zero, but a zero score, and then you have to get a rookie score in your best 18 players. But if you're trading Tim Kelly to a Clayton Oliver at round 14, then you've just gone from you know premium score, premium score in in rounds 12 and 13, and then comes round 14, and you trade Kelly to Oliver, you're getting another premium score in 14. So you kind of gaining you know 50 60 points on that rookie score just by doing that trade as well as getting an upgrade so um, that's something that I like to do in which case I'd be getting Dangerfield in the next couple of weeks um, not for Kelly but just in into your super coach sides um, and then you know shifting and trading around the buys through like like that as a strategy pretty good Something that wasn't pretty good, Nick Shipley's performance on the weekend, <laughs> mate. Uh, I reckon even I could get two touches in the AFL running around there, mate. He, he didn't have a, a good night to remember. I know he was spending a lot of time, uh, uh, you know, he started deep forward. It's not looking good for his cash generation potential. Not only is he not scoring, but it's probably, you know, it's looking likely he's not going to be getting many games in the near future. No, I mean, look, the poor bloke... He's so excited to play AFL, and he got one handball in the entire match. I mean, you'd think that he's going to get dropped, which is unfortunate, but um, it happens. But, Chizo, I was actually the, the happiest um, person I was in this game. I was so happy with Jack Henry. He came out with 114. He was nearly best on ground in my eyes. Everything he did was just intercept possession, using the ball well. He just, I guess, kind of came out of nowhere and just looked absolutely unreal. Um is this like, a, are we going to be expecting these massive scores from, from Jack Henry over the next couple of weeks, or is he going to go back to his scoring, you know, 40s and 50 ways? No, I, I, he's definitely not going to be 
averaging 114 over the next couple of weeks. So <laughs> he, he's over the last five rounds going at 71, last three rounds going at 72. I think that's around the ball mark, uh, ballpark. I think probably around 60 to 65 is is really his kind of uh, his figure. He's just one of those um, rookies that you know some days it'll go his way, some days it's not going to. So um, I, I, I don't I don't believe that we should be really you know seeing too much into it. If anything, it, it sets resets his break even for another few weeks, and he's he's going to make a bit more money because he's already up to 260k. So with a negative 15 break even this week. Uh, it just really helps us kind of cash in in a few weeks' time when we've got a, a an upgrade to make or um, you know a rookie or, or something to trade to. So I think that's probably what I I think that he's um, his figures looking at. Uh, the next person I want to talk about, probably the last one before we move on, is uh, Jeremy Finlayson. He got thrown uh, forward towards the end of the game. There, pistol only putting up a sixty-two. His three-round and five-round um, averages in comparison to his season averages suggest that you know he might be dropping a little bit of cash soon. Is this something we need to be worried about? I think it's heavily dependent on if Charlie, if, if uh, Jeremy Cameron comes back and decide, as well as Rory Lobb. I know that Finlayson was only kind of thrown forward late in the game in like this desperate attempt, but at the end of the day, the bloke kicked two goals, and it's worthwhile, you know, experimenting with him forward in the coming games if he was the only one that really showed something towards the end of the game. They kicked four goals for the match, and he kicked two uh, towards the end of the game. I think. There's a high chance if Cameron's out again that Finlayson plays forward, and if he's going to play forward, it's kind of um, questionable scoring potential. Given he was, you know, averaging 85-ish as a defender, and now he's going forward and scoring a 62. Who knows if a 40 is on the cards? It's it's hard playing as a key forward. Cheese, um, I'm I'm very worried. He's got an 83 break even. He's going to drop in price, and I know people think. Yeah, he he's probably going to score some 85s, and even if he drops 10k here, he's by the buys, he's going to make you an extra 50k. But depends on his role. That's you're you're kind of using data that's not 100% going to be relevant moving forward. So for me, if Cameron's out, Finlayson's just gone. He he might play back, but he also might not, and it's not worth the gamble for me. I'd rather cash him in, get him a McRae this week, or, or get him a clean if you missed him before. They both rocket up in price, and I, and I miss out. Um, I'd rather do that than just like hope for this extra 50k, in which I'd probably make buy the buy on Finlayson, but then I'd have to spend 50, 60k more on McRae and McLean. It just all evens out in the wash anyway, Chizo. Well, I'll pose something to you. We're going to talk about him, uh, this guy in the Bubble Boys a little bit more. Flynn Appleby for the uh, Your Boys, the Pies. The most common trade this week is Finlayson out, Appleby in. I'm not so sure that we'll be uh, advocating that at this stage. No, but we'll, we'll talk about that closer to the Collingwood match. Let's move on to the uh, Dogs versus Gold Coast match, Chiso. Yeah, all right. Run us through that. <laughs> well, I mean, we've pretty much already had an entire section about McRae, but just so people understand the gravity of his numbers... 189 super coach points, Chizo. 189, which is absolutely insane. He got 40 touches, 25 contested possessions, 12 clearances, and he had it was an 81 point third term as well. So it wasn't like he had a very even effort across the match. He just went absolutely bang. And joining him was Toby McLean with 146 super coach points. Um, he had 13 tackles and, and looked ridiculously good. Chizo, both of these blokes now have very small break-evens. They're both going to rock it up in price, but Toby McLean is 525k. McRae is now 629k. If you didn't have one of these players and you were desperate to get one in this week, 
Which one would you go for? I think McLean because there's a lack of forwards around him going at 111. Whereas in the midfield, you've got the likes of, you know, a fire for a titch um, and, and can guys that can go at 114, 115, you know, and above. So um, if you're choosing, say, uh, to bring in, uh, say, for argument's sake, I wouldn't advocate bringing him in now. But if you're, you know, holding a Devin Smith and, and bringing in um, a McRae over, you know, holding someone like Tim Kelly and bringing in a McLean in the forward lines, I think you're going to get a, a much more output by um, uh, by bringing in McLean over McRae because, you know, there's a, a few more midfielders to pick from that are going around the same mark. I definitely agree with that. I think that's, especially at 525k, I, I thought last week 515k for McLean was a steal. I mean, he's going at 110 average after all. Um, I think that's a very kind price for his potential output. McRae, you're probably paying for what you want. Um, he still, if he's going to keep averaging, you know, 130, then actually it's, it's a bargain. But um, realistically, I think we can hope for 120 average from McRae. He does have to play North Melbourne twice um, still to go in this season, and you assume he's going to be copping the tag. Um, Chizo, what did you make of the two Bulldogs rookies, Aaron Norton and Ed Richards' games? I mean, Norton's still, you know, doing what we expected him to do. Like, he's playing a key defensive role. You know, he's getting, he, he's using his intercept um, abilities on, you know, uh, in every game. So, we always knew that he was going to stand up in an AFL environment because he's had that waffle exposure at, the, at when he was an underage. Um, I think Ed Richards on the other side, he's kind of grinding to a halt. His his skills are really on the outside, and you know he, he was marking uh, um, marking Aaron Young. Um, in the weekend gone by, and you know when you you're playing more of a deep forward, uh, sorry, uh, you know um, a, a a deep defensive role on someone, he's not able to use his rebounding roles as he was there. He, his highest scoring games was when he was pushing up onto the wing and um, you know delivering with that elite kicking efficiency that he's got. Right now, he's you know he's changing from week to week whether he's able to use his talents or being used as a more of a lockdown defender. So he's pretty much grinding to a halt and if I just check his uh, uh, his break even here bear with me um, for a second here Pistol I think it's almost time that um, he disappears from our sides because he's got a, a break even of 49 so um, he's someone that I wouldn't probably mind moving on in our defensive line to uh, another rookie or something like that because um, I think he's uh, running out of puff quite significantly yeah, I mean, we kind of just have to wait for an appropriate defensive option to pop up before we get rid of him, unless you've got some DPP magic in your team and you can um, get him out. Otherwise, at least with that break even, he's kind of going to hold his uh, price. Hopefully, he doesn't drop too much. I know he scored 35 on the weekend, so if he scores that again, he's going to be dropping dropping some cash. But uh, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. But Chizo, talking about people that are... Uh, now making cash or not making cash, I guess it can go both ways. Uh, Nick Holman scored 70 on the weekend, which sounds great. And he had 11 tackles, which sounds great. But he also went at 35% disposal efficiency, which is incredibly poor. This could have been a 100-point scoring game from Holman, but he somehow has just managed to score 70. He does have a break-even that is up there, but... Is he somebody that we should consider holding, maybe even throughout the buys, or is he someone we should look to get rid of as soon as this week? 
I've got no problem with Holman. There was this mass hysteria in the last 10 days about, you know, who can run to the exit exit fast enough. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, got, I got a 70 on my field over a Barry and a Brayshaw, you know. Like, he scored more than Cogs. <laughs> but, but argument's sake, like, those stats that you're throwing out is exactly what we know Nick Holman to do. He got 12 contested possessions out of his 14 disposals. He had 11 tackles. Playing as an inside um, player, you know, um, rotating through the midfield, it's just what he does. That's just what the role he has. They need to have someone that does the dirty work on the inside and, and lays some body pressure on because there was just no one that's doing it for the Sun. So his role is no different to to what it was at the start of the year. Like, he's probably going to hold... Um, his value for the time being. So, you know, if you've got someone else that you could move on to, then um, I'd, I'd have no problem with holding him. But for those that are jumping off, you can totally understand it. Um, a break even around his uh, his average. So why not? Like, I, I'd be holding him at this stage. I've got other fish to fry, to be honest, Pistol. Yeah, exactly. And I think what people forget is that even though he has a break even of 63, that's including that, you know, 33 score, whatever it was, he got... Um, two weeks ago and that's going to come out of his rolling average now so I think it was um, Bryce Mitchell pointed out on Twitter it's a great guy if you haven't followed him on, on Twitter he puts Good up follow. nice uh, Good yeah, nice spreadsheets and tells you when players are, are going to peak in price um, which is just at Bryce Mitchell um, with an I not a Y for those that just want to follow but yeah he was uh, showing me on his spreadsheets that Holman is somebody that is probably going to make a lot more money, especially if he's going to be scoring at this rate of about 70. His break-even is just going to reset at the end of this round. It's going to completely lower, and he's going to rocket past the 300k mark. So um, you don't need to offload Holman now. I think I would be jumping off someone like, before Holman, I'd be jumping off like a Brayshaw or a Banfield, more particularly Banfield. Um, but if you don't have any other option, Chizo, and you're deciding between like a Barry... Um, I don't know why you have no other option, but if you, if you have no other option, I, I can definitely see why you would jump off um, a Nick Holman, but I, it's not, it wouldn't be my go-to move. Uh, Chizo, somebody that played not their first game in AFL, but their first game for the year for Gold Coast, um, I think he went a bit under the radar because I didn't see anybody talking about him, was Brad Shear. He's a forward. He's 160K, and he scored 69 Chizo. So that that's a good, good outcome um, for somebody that's, played one game this year. He's somebody that I hope will be on the bubble um, in the future because he looks like he could be a decent downgrade option. There was another one, Braden Crossley. I said Crosby at the beginning. My bad. <laughs> Crosley uh, scored the 65. He's a ruck. I don't think he... I mean, he, he did well. He scored 65 and he actually played pretty well, but I don't think he's somebody um, that you can consider long-term, especially with Lynch not having a massively long-term injury. So um, he probably comes out. So not not really looking too hard at him. And the other first gamer was uh, Charlie Ballard, Chizo. A poor 33. Do you think he's going to be somebody that we're going to look to in the future, or is it probably going to be a pass? It's probably going to be a pass at this stage. He's not going to... Um, with the the guys that are performing in the NEFL, I know um, he's probably not going to hold that position for, for too much longer. They are just giving him a little bit of a run around. Uh, you do talk about Brad Shear. He absolutely has always been a ball-winning kind of midfielder. He gets a stack of it in the NEFL. Only 14 disposals. Um, 
on the weekend. He's going to get better as the year progresses, but his his uh, elevated price does kind of scare me away a little bit. I think there's going to be some better options, particularly in coming weeks here, Pistol. Uh, we might as well just keep moving here, mate. We'll jump into the most disappointing game of the round, <laughs> the Bombers versus the Hawks here, mate. Um, the scoreline really doesn't reflect how poorly we played on the weekend. Um, someone that didn't play poorly on the weekend, James Sicily. Isn't it a great roller coaster to be a part of, Pistol? <laughs> I've now been. I've, I've got two tickets to the show because um, he's been out and in my side. I mean, I got a lot of hate cheese for trading him back into my side after I traded him out for Gray when he got suspended because I was going to cop that donut. But trading him back in, I mean, you need to evaluate each like you, your past history with a player shouldn't determine your future history with them. If he looks like the best value player then you're just going to make a move. It doesn't matter if you've traded them out. So I'm pretty happy I, I traded him in um, a couple of weeks ago. And 145, fantastic score. He's looking like he's definitely going to be, on average, a top forward and a top defender. Um, it's just how many games you're going to miss in between. But he's super value. He's still under 500k. Um, he's somebody that would be getting in ASAP, Chizo. And uh, is there anything else you wanted to add about Sicily? Because I I'm, I'm can just talk, keep talking about him all day if you'd like. No, just pretty much that DPP makes him indispensable. The amount, you know, the amount of times this year that um, not only have I been able to swap him between forward or defence um, and bench him when he has his weeks off, uh, he's played... Uh, um, only one game since his later suspension, so he's probably got another week in him before he gets set, has another rest on the sideline. So you probably get one more good week out of him, Pistol, and then we have to decide whether he goes out again. But uh, uh, <laughs> definitely a good trade-in. I'd almost uh, argue that he'd be uh, to get him in before McLean, in Ooh, uh, in my opinion. So big call. Uh, averaging more has a, uh, a DPP, more useful DPP, I should say, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's just my, that's my take. Um, but we'll move on. Titch was good again. He was... Uh, Titch of old, he wasn't racking up, you know, 50 disposals, but, uh, you know, uh, a 30-touch game is still pretty good for Titch. Uh, on the Essendon side of things, Smith just, you know, ticking along, getting those 90s. The good thing is his pressure is one thing that we're not seeing above uh, uh, around the Essendon side. He put up seven tackles, which was clearly more than the next best, which was uh, Heppel with five, and then there's a lot of uh, twos and threes and ones and even zeros on the, uh, the Essendon side of things. On the Hawks, there wasn't a single player that didn't have at least a tackle. And on the Essendon side, you got one, two, three, four, five that didn't have tackles. That just goes to show that they're just not having enough pressure across, uh, and it's something that's been noted a lot. But Smith, was uh, he's been fantastic, and I'm really happy with his selection. A few people querying whether we should be moving him on sooner rather than later because we, we've got quite a few guys that are going above 100 in the forward line. But I, I'm really happy to have him at F6 if that's what he ends up being. Yeah, don't trade out Smith. Just hold him, Cheezer. Just hold him tight. Don't let him go. Let him be your F6. Yeah. Kobe Much still playing his outside midfield role. Um, he's probably going to get a few more games because uh, he's far from the worst player at the moment, uh, putting up 50. He's on the bubble. We may not be able to pick him up, though. We'll talk through a few more selections uh, in the next few games here, mate. And uh, James uh, Warple on the bubble again, playing across the half-forward line in his second game, only putting up a 33 pistol. Uh, he's another one that we'll touch on. It was actually... Uh a really, really good game for um, O'Meara. A few people have still got him running around in, his, in their side. So um, good to see that he's putting up uh, some good scores. And the last one I want to touch on is Michael Hurley, 97. He's just ticking along as he does. Probably going to be top three defensor. Well, almost certainly will be top three defense uh, player here. Pistol, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I'm just... 
I mean, look, you can't really knock out how good he's been this year, and I think he'll continue to be a good scorer. But you do have to question Bombers' tactics. If they're going to keep... Like, they can't keep going the way they're going, Chizo. Something's got to change. And I just wonder if that will be making Hurley and even, you know, all the defenders more accountable. And if it's going to stop, they're just switching. They, they do a really slow switch across that half-back flank line. And, and Hurley picks up a lot of touches in that play. And I wonder if they're going to limit that and maybe maybe go down more more down the corridor at all costs. It will be interesting to see if um, he's going to be somebody that's going to continue getting this many touches per game because he gets a lot of the ball, helps his scoring, doesn't do too much of it. It's not like a, a James Sicily 20, 27 touches. It's a, yeah, Michael Hurley 27 touches is a completely different thing, Chizo. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, what do you make of Ryan Burton's game, mate? You've been trying to sell me on him all week in the draft league, so I want you to sell me on him right now. Tell me how his game was. <laughs> Chizo, he didn't touch the ball in the last quarter, and <laughs> he came out strong with a 77. He looked like the Ryan Burton of old. It's, it's exactly what I've been waiting for, but no one needs to hear this. It's uh, just for the draft. I'm very excited about having him in our keeper league and think that he's going to keep building, but we'll uh, <laughs> definitely move on to the I- Eagles versus Port Adelaide game. Yeah, I just wanted to stitch you up, mate. <laughs> Run us through the Eagles in power. Well, in some, in a game in which I thought would be close, but Port Adelaide had showing that they're now just basically massive pretenders. Uh, I can't believe they're not even in the eight, and they're nowhere near looking like a top four team, which a lot of us had pegged them uh, during the preseason. It was Robbie Gray, again, leading by example. Um, he was the only Port player to crack the ton, and he scored 106. Robbie Gray, it's Chizo, is it too close now to his buy to get him in, or is he someone that we should just be getting in ASAP regardless? Well, I think with Robbie Gray is that you're probably going to have forward cover. You've probably got a forward rookie that can come on for him that's going to score his 60. So it's not really going to be, you know, it's not like the buys where you you have to structure your team a certain way. You know, we've got someone to come on. And then the best thing is, not only is he averaging around the 110 mark, he's going to play during the entirety of all the other buys when everyone else is panicking. So I've got no problem if you want to bring him right now. He's clearly the, the number one forward at the moment. And particularly once the power kind of kick their game back into gear, I think there's a little bit of gelling to be done um, with the players that have been in and out of the side, like a rider and new additions like Jackie Watts and stuff like that. They'll come good. And uh, he can. I, I don't see him falling off from here. He's going to be a fantastic top four forward for sure. So now let me name some other port forwards because this is, a, I guess, a pretty big talking point because we all kind of know that Gray, Heaney, and McLean are going to be the top three midfielders, not including Sicily because he can be a defender as well. And then most people will have someone like a Dev Smith in their team. And then kind of shooting blanks, there's a whole range of players that it could be. But what do you reckon about Justin Westoff, who is currently averaging over 100, and Travis Boak, who is averaging 95? Do you think either of them could be your you know, F5s and F6s? I think there's every reason why they could be F5s and F6s. The, the good thing about that is what you and I try and do is we try and find you know, the, 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 the top four in each line, or you know, particularly the forwards and defenders, and then five and six, you can kind of um, pick and choose someone that you really like or someone that you think is going to break out. So the fact that um, Boak is in fewer teams than Westoff works well, the thing that Westoff was doing is um, he 
doesn't really have all that much accountability, which is great for his role. But the fact that Ryder came back in meant that he's playing a slightly different game style than he was when Ryder was out, obviously spending a bit more time through the, the ruck line and, and kind of the midfield. So um, 85, while not worrying, maybe there's some correlation to Ryder being back, but I'd probably want to see another week or so. Um, West off someone that would probably wait until after the buy to upgrade to because you get a few more weeks with Ryder there of exposed form to see exactly what he's going to be doing over over the long term. Boke is interesting because um, he's obviously been forced out of that midfielder, midfield over the last few years with the players that they've brought in. He's just someone that goes under the radar and he's going to be kind of like a Dev Smith, you know, that um, mid-20s disposal, um, uh, tackle count, pressure player, um, and... He's he's going to be uber unique because there's not going to there's, you're not going to uh, go and pick Boak when you have the opportunity to pick a Franklin or you know pick a Walters or pick a Toby Green these kind of big names that you've always heard in the forward line that are going to be um, that everyone kind of jumps on instead so there's every chance that you're going to get him more unique and um, if you if you've got Boak averaging 95 for the rest of the season there's no reason you can't argue to have him in in his uh, in your forward line come the end of the year. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with all that. And it's he's got a very high floor as well. His lowest game of the year has been 77. His highest game has been 111. He just, you know, peppers in that range and it's got that 95 average. So I think he's a very much under-the-radar pick and somebody that you could strongly consider bringing in. He's only in 3% of teams. He's someone that I'd look at um, after his buy as well, as you said, Chizo, just... um. Yeah, it's very beneficial grabbing grabbing him after his buy and then being able to play all throughout the buys. On the West Coast Eagles side, though, Elliot Yo just getting it done again, 111 points. I mean, Chizo, is he just a lock at this stage in every every back line? Yeah, I think so. I think... I think uh... We've talked about it a few weeks. He's going to have those games where he gets a role where he's going to go tag a Fife or tag a Dangerfield or tag a Dusty and just sit forward with them and you know sacrifice his game for the uh, you know the the good of the team. But he's going to have those games where he doesn't really have to sit on anyone. Gray's not the type of player that he's going to go sit on for the entire game. So you know he he's going to have that those hundred hundred and ten games and even in even better when he's not having to sit on someone. So um, Yo is going to be a top six defender for sure. You're just going to have to ride the roller coaster and put up with it. There's just nothing you can do about that. And Tom Cole had a good outing for people that jumped on him on the battle with 88 points. Um, he still has a minus 13 break even, so he's going to look to at least make 100k um, for owners. So that's turned out to be a very good pick for them. On the bubble this week is Jake Petricelli, Chizo. Hey, you I- got it. I, I did get it. Uh, I wanted to say it with more oomph, and then I like stumbled, and it just came out funny. I, <laughs> I just, I'm pretty disappointed with uh, how I said it. He, he kicked two goals, Chizo, and still scored 33 points. Um, I can't say he looks like an inspiring super coach option, um, but he does seem like some sort of cult figure on the field. You know, he's got good skills, good speed. I really enjoy watching him play. But the bloke's averaging 22 points a game, Chizo. I He's got a break-even of 25, and I really don't think he's going to make his break-even. And I think he's going to drop uh, from that 117k price that he is <laughs> and go down for his first price ride, which is a little bit sad. But yeah, I really like him what I see of him. Yeah, he's just an impact player, that super speed that he's got. So um, yeah, move on. Don't really need to worry about him because he's not going to be an option for us at this stage. Um, we might as well touch on uh, JB's favourite just because uh, he's not here and he can't stop us. Seven clangers from Riley Bonner. JB, he, he, he's just... Uh, 
every single week he's just letting us down. I'm, I'm still getting disappointed that I uh, traded uh, Norton for for oh, uh, for Bonner terrible. after round two. Uh, peer pressured into that, so I'll never forget that one. <laughs> Thanks, JB. Uh, <laughs> we'll jump into the next game. Swans and North Melbourne. This was a cliffhanger, and if you believe everything on social media, the uh, umpire's got a little bit on the side there, Pistol. I, I can't say that I saw that as an unbiased, an unbiased viewer. I thought it was a pretty even match, but apparently there's been some under-the-table trading going on. Look, I'm pretty sure you're talking about the touched or not touched call um, <laughs> in the game. And to me, looking at it, it was touched. I, I can't believe they didn't call it touched. It just, I don't know, maybe I need to get glasses. But for me, it was clear as day that that ball was touched. So I can understand if there's some uh, salty swan supporters going around. But in my opinion, justified guys, you're allowed to have a whinge because it is definitely there. And um it's just the way it goes, unfortunately. But on a super coach perspective, JPK Cheezer was 440k last week. He's got the Ben Jacobs tag, and he's knocked out 151 super coach points. Is this what we were waiting for? Because we kept talking about it every week. Is is now the turning point of his season where he's just gonna like come home like a, a freight train? Well, he burnt me last year, didn't he? He did. He, he he was going to come home like a freight train after around like 13 or 14, or it was, and he just turn in poo-poo and his doo-doos every week. So uh, <laughs> it, it was one of those uh, typical tagging games where you send a tagger to him and then the tagger ends up getting a bunch of ball as well. We got uh, 29 disposals to Ben Jacobs because JPK was just taking him to the ball all the time. So the ball was just always around him. Pistol, he wasn't actually stopping his influence whatsoever. I think the funniest part of this whole Ben Jacobs, I guess let's call it the Ben Jacobs experience, I think that's a nice way of putting it, is that... People picked um, LDU and picked Paddy Dow over Ben Jacobs at the beginning of the year. And Ben Jacobs was only 200k flat. We knew he'd play every game because he'd be a tagger. And currently, he has a break-even of 29. He's at 335k. So he's made you 135k. He's going to make you 150k because that low break-even. He's averaged 73 points per game. And he's turned up twice this year. (laughs) He's actually been one of the best midfield cash cow options this year and seemingly just no one started with him Chizo. yeah who'd pick a tagger let's be honest <laughs> I mean it's it's crazy but I guess that's the type of group thing that you wanted to avoid at the beginning of the year because no one was going to suggest to you well I mean minimal people suggested to get the Ben Jacobs unless you're banking on the job security but he's smashed the, the Hunter Clarks and, and Dows and LDUs out of this world with his uh, scoring potential and he was the one that, that got away from most people yeah, I, I suppose we might as well rotate back to your previous question. JBK <laughs> ha, is uh, definitely in the form of his uh, of the season so far that we've seen from uh, the Swans. I think it's helped a little bit by Sinclair um, playing quite well in the ruck as well. Like he uh, he's not dominating games, but at least he's getting he, uh, his his fair share of um, touches in the, in the midfield down. So JBK is that you know if he's not. Um, winning the contest is uh, breaking even for his Swans midfielders, which is really, really good. And JPK always does this. He starts slow and then comes good. The The question is whether he can keep this form up until the end of the year, whether he's going to have another dip and you can pick him up later on. But the likelihood of that happening at the right time is so low that if you, if you have confidence in JPK, you should just be picking him up um, now because he's probably not going to be this price again for a long time. And if we look at the Swan side, I think uh, we don't really need to talk much about Isaac Heaney, but Jake Lloyd, again, that he he's, he's not doing enough 
to be considered, you know, a top six defender. But he's kind of getting to a price now at 450k and sub 450k. He's kind of looking like it's like this borderline pick where you know that you want to get the top four defenders in. You want the Hurleys, you want the Yos, uh, you want the Lairds, um, the Simo, and then you're kind of trying to look for value for the others. And it's it's a tough situation, but is Lloyd somebody that you would consider as your, your D5 or your D6 Chiso? I mean, we're only just at the stage of upgrading our teams. You know what I mean? We're only just at the stage of having enough money in our rookies to downgrade and then um, pick someone else up. I don't think I'd be prioritizing, you know, a running flanker from the Swans that kind of gets 80s and 85s and a 90 and, you know, yes, he doesn't have like um, a terrible floor, but he's not going to score you 150s and price himself out. Like if you want to pick him up later on, he's not going to be all that much expensive, uh, more expensive than he is now. So I wouldn't be prioritizing him at this point, but um, he, he's definitely one to keep a lot, an eye on and he, he's had periods of time where he's gone at 100 before. So keep an eye on him, but I'd be looking at other um, options, uh, particularly in the defensive line when you got the likes of, you know, like a, a, a Yo, a Simpson for those that didn't start him, um, Hurley, um, these kind of guys. So um, that's who I'd be prioritising to start with. Uh, ben Ronk, uh, second fewest amount of minutes on ground for the Swans pistol. He's uh, healthy scoring-wise, but um, potentially if they get a few guys coming back, you know, you get like a, a Franklin or someone like that, he could be uh, back on the outer. He wasn't the worst for their side, though. No, he definitely wasn't. I think um, Oliver Florent might go out before Ronk. It's just kind of, you've got a lot of these guys that didn't have a great game, but do they get chopped based on, you know, their short-term performances? Or do you look at, like their long-term, how they've played for the entire season. Because if you just go on based on the last two games, you'd think Ronk is safe, but unfortunately it doesn't work like that. But at the same time, we didn't even have really a time frame for Buddy's return. So um, definitely not a bad option this week. I think we'll talk about the Bubble Boys a little bit. Uh, like sure. Maybe we'll rank them later, Chizo. So mm-hmm. we'll just uh, move on to probably the biggest talking point of North Melbourne. Sorry, JB, it's not Sean Higgins, but well done on the 123. It's Todd Goldstein. He, he got another 40 touches. He seems to do the right things, but doesn't translate to Supercoach points, Chizo. 77 this week. Are we now trying to ditch him ASAP, or are we just going to wait to the bye? Man, I just can't believe uh, Todd Goldstein got 40 touches and he, he only got 77. That's the that's the interesting oh, thing. No. Um, yeah, no. he's he, As we predicted at the start of the season, he's cooked. He's not someone we need to be looking at. I don't think he's going to bounce back. If you've got him, I'd be uh, looking to try and move him on as, uh, as soon as possible because he's not going to... By the time he re- rebounds and makes the cash, he's already lost, I think, uh, You've already missed the boat, so I'd be looking to move move him on to, to Grundy if he's not injured. That's the only reason I'd probably keep him is, you know, the player that you want to move him to, which is a Brody Grundy, has an injury, um, potentially might be spending, maybe, don't know, could be. That's the only reason. It's just that um, you know, we're not entirely, entirely sure. Uh, we don't have the confidence that uh, Brody Grundy's going to play every game for the rest of the season. So you've got a little bit of hesit- hesitancy over that, but I'd be getting... Goldie out of there ASAP. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, maybe, in my opinion, you just wait a couple of weeks. Ryder's going to drop a lot in value given his uh, back-to-back average scores. And if he's looking good in the next couple of weeks, he's got his buy um, just around the corner in a couple of rounds. And you could just grab him after that and go through 
um, without you know needing to pick a ruckman that's going to have a buy. Otherwise, it's just Grundy all the way. But Chizo, how about you uh, jump into the Crows versus Blues games and talk us through it? Like it. Uh, another absolute blockbuster. Crows demoralizing the Blues again. <laughs> I, I'm, su- I'm surprised that they actually mustered up 70 points because... Uh, their scoring potential uh, isn't great, um, the old blue side. Uh, Rory Laird was, uh, just did Rory Laird things, and he was fantastic. You'd be happy that Matt Crouch is back, just racking up disposals left, right, and center already uh, back above the 30s. Mitch McGovern taking that huge hanger. Um, there's a lot of things to like. Uh, Tom Dode, uh, 68. A lot of people kind of panicking, but, you know, just hold him. He's, uh, he's been great so far this season, so um, oh, there's no need to, to jump on him just yet. Uh, jump off him just yet, I should say. Um, on the Carlton side of things, Paddy Cripps, he had 18 contested possessions, and this is what you talked about um, time and time again. Is he able to, you know, make up, uh, you know, 20 contested possessions every game to keep his uh, his points up? And we saw this week that, you know, only a 90-year-old in, uh, in Supercoach here, Pistol, there's just not enough around him that, you know, when he's copping a little bit of attention, he just doesn't get enough ball on the outside to make up these points if uh, he's not getting every single touch as a contested possession. I mean, 94 is a decent score, so if that's going to be his floor, you'd, you'd take it every day of the week. But it is a little bit worrying um, for me. But, look, if he's going to average that out with 150s Chizo, then he's going to be a great pick. He's just he's not going to average 120 that people are, I think... People may have got ahead of themselves. Yeah, and, and and that's what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm trying to I'm kind of likening him to say a Rory Sloan last year. I think is a really good comparison because Rory Sloan had those games where you know he got 25 contested possessions, kicked two goals, had 40 touches, and you know 10 tackles, and um and put up the 150s and 160s. And then on any given week, if he doesn't rack up the uh, the contested possessions and kick a couple goals, then he just goes missing a little bit. So I think that's the only thing that's going to stop Paddy Cripps from being, you know, a top five midfielder this year and instead is going to seem, you know, a top 10, top 15 midfielder. And so for that reason, I think I'd be kind of going towards the guys, you know, like a Danger or a Dusty if you don't have them because we're seeing people prioritise Cripps as a trade-in option to their midfielders, but I don't think he's going to be someone that's hurting you for the entire season if you don't have him. I think there's other midfielders that you can pick up that will be able to cover him. So um, that I think that's just really want to say what I wanted to say on him because he's a fantastic player, fantastic pick. But these days, uh, these games where he doesn't get you know 20 contested possessions, he is going to have a little bit of a down game, kind of like a Rory Sloan. I think that was a pretty good summary of the situation, Chizo. But while we're talking about midfielders, I did want to get your opinion. Matt Crouch is now down to 533k, and Bryce Gibbs has bottomed out at 483k. Gibbs having a break-even of 114, probably probably roughly bottomed out there. So there's 50k difference in it, which is relatively significant. And 483k is a, a kind price um, for Gibbs and his potential. But at the same time, you're probably not getting both of these guys in Chizo. Which one would you get? I love Matt Crouch. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that he just has so much to offer. And the fact that he's been brought down by injury rather than getting attention leads me to think that Matt Crouch is more likely to stay a little bit more consistent. So um, I think that's the way I'd be leaning. And Matt Crouch isn't going to price you out. Um, this week because he's got a break even of 96 with that injury affected score still rolling through there but he has dropped 75k so far this season so um, if you want him pick him up this week or the next because I think he's going to be great 
yeah, uh, it's hard to argue with that. But uh, you did say he hasn't gotten much attention, Chizo, but not from where I'm sitting because you've just been uh, talking talking about him uh, all the time over the last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I can't stop about it. Uh, <laughs> running, uh, running through the next game, Tigers and the Dockers. The Tigers just look like have, they're even better than last year, Pistol. It's really kind of scary. It, it is so scary, especially because they seem to be destroying every single super coach option in their entire team, but they're winning every week. And it's just, tell me, what is going on here, Chizo? Uh, well, I, I, I really don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it because they're doing it without the likes of Koch and Dusty dominating. Like that, Koch was a laid out. Well, was he really a laid out? Because we all knew he was not going to play. Um, and Dusty just spending time deep forward um, because they don't need him in the midfield. They're just going to wait. And you like Dusty put up a, an eighty-seven or eighty-eight or something like that on the weekend, but he had four behinds. If he turns that into four goals, like he had against Adelaide in round two, then you know that's one hundred and twenty. So he doesn't even need to be um, dominating to um, for them to win these days and to win convincingly. So that's the scary part because as soon as they start. Um, uh, getting uh, into the tougher games and, and being tested, you know, Dimmer just throws Dusty into the midfield and it just evens the keel again because um, likes of Kane Lambert and that are just getting so much more midfield time because they don't need Dusty there. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's just crazy that everyone um, scores roughly in the eighty in the Richmond Tigers side, and you just kind of yeah throws a blanket over the entire team and no one scores well and there's no real primo options anymore and it's just uh it's a bit worrying but i think something that's stuck out for me in the last couple of weeks is kane lambert has really now got a five game average of 101 so he's looking like that option um that people picked him for at the beginning of the the, re, the year they thought it'd be you know a top six to fit forward and he is now looking like that top six forward i did notice though that there was some sort of correlation between him and prestia where prestia didn't play um, the first two weeks and Lambert was poop and then Pressier came back and Lambert started doing well and Pressier's gone off injured um, this week in the third quarter um, he hurt his calf so I don't know the extent of that injury but if it's bad then you might want to maybe give it another week on Kane Lambert and see if there is a strong correlation between uh, their scoring but otherwise Kane Lambert another really good POD that's just gone onto the radar and is now coming home really hard with a great average Jesus. Well, he's got on 106 over the last three weeks, 102 over the last five. So he's definitely found his form. Again, I think we have to stress it's because they don't have the same midfielders rolling through. They are able to get the job done without needing the big guns in there. So, you know, you know, as soon as they get into the, the thicker things, particularly coming down the home stretch or something like that, when they really want to rev their engine before finals, I think we could see him kind of, um, you know, in the finals of Supercoach suffering a little bit. But that that's a little bit um, too far down the line. And um, again, the only thing that you can really worry about is that, that buyer structure that you've got. So um, other than that, there's you know there's hardly any argument why you wouldn't you you wouldn't start him uh, it wouldn't bring him in because um, he looks like he's been a, a good over the last couple of weeks and uh, Nat Fife pistol leading the uh, coaches association votes looks like he's leading the Brownlow predictor as well the guy's a freak he's in Brownlow winning form from a couple of seasons ago and it always helps when you have Aaron Sandlands getting 48 hitouts and just feeding it down his throat well that's exactly right and. If you think this is an outlier, wait until next week where they're playing at home and they're playing against Saints and Sandilands is going to be doing the exact same thing the entire day. 
Um, yeah, Nat Fife next week. Lock him in as captain already. I know it's just Monday, but he's already uh, captaincy option number one for me. And I think that's a no-brainer in the form that he's in. Um, he's just going to absolutely kill it, Chiso. But I think the sticking point this year of Fremantle is Ross Lyons just playing all the kids. Um, we see Dooman keep getting a game. We've got Croden getting games. Um, there's Chera, there's, there's Banfield, there's Brayshaw. They're all doing okay. If you had to trade one of them out this week, though, Chizo, I'm more probably talking about the Brayshaws and the Banfields of the world. Which one would you be leaning towards trading out? Well, we all got ridiculed when we said, hold on to Brayshaw, and he's put up a couple 62s and you know reset his break-even, so there's only one of us laughing at this stage. I think, really, obviously, it's got to be Banfield because he's playing that tagging role. He's not going to be um, racking up the, the pill, and the tagging role's not even a midfield role. It's a, it's a forward tag. He spent time on Vlosten, and you know Vlosten's not a ball-winning defender, so it's not like he's going to be taken to the ball on any given week, so um, I think he's kind of hit his ceiling, so I'd have no dramas getting rid of Bailey Banfield this week. So if he's playing that tagging role, do you think next week he's probably, would you say it's fair to say he's going to be tagging Savage? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> um, let's, let's just hope that uh, that Savage is a little bit too quick for him and then he goes somewhere else. Maybe a Webster. Webster's been really good. Let, let's just go to Webster. Ross, if you're <laughs> listening, go to Webster. <laughs> I mean, Webster has been more damaging recently. So, I mean, it is... Uh, entirely possible but if savage is going to get tagged i mean that would be great for me because savage is going to plummet in price and he's going to uh, present good value but cheese while we're talking about savage why don't we just jump into the uh the saints versus demons game yeah disappointing again for the saints wasn't it uh, 106 to the uh the demons 67 to the saints it's just a, a Saints. I don't know which one's more disappointing. Is it, if it's Essendon or Saints this year, because there's there's so many. Um, I, I think a lot of people thought that they were both going to be playing finals this year. So the fact that they're just you know falling in a heap is is really disappointing and that sort of things. And it's not like that um, they're getting outclassed. It's just they're getting outworked. They're a, a contested team that is just getting out getting beaten at the coalface as well. So um, they've, as they always do, they have one or two players that are really on form and stand out. And then, you know, the other 15, 16 just really aren't pulling up their end. So uh, Billings has lost all confidence. It, it's a competition between he and Joey Danaher for the four with the lowest confidence <laughs> in a game right now. Like um, it, it, it's almost droppable the way that they're both playing at the moment. So um, Billings is still racking up 20 touches on a weekly basis, even more than that, but he's just doing nothing with it. He needs. It's the old-fashioned, um, you know, in the, in the preseason when A grade versus reserve grade or, or B grade or something like that, and they just give him a really good touching up by 150 points before round one. That I kind of feel like he needs to go back to the VFL and just, you know, do that. Just, just absolutely cut it up. Get thirty-five touches. Get his mojo back, and then come back to the uh, the AFL, and he'll feel it. Because right now, every time he gets the ball, every time he he takes a mark and has time to think about his dis- disposal, that's when it goes. It, his head's getting to him, and we're seeing that with Joey as well. We've seen that over the last eighteen months. So he just needs to go back and just absolutely thrash something around, and then he'll be back. Don't worry. Look, I'd be worried if I was billing owner. I mean, I traded him out last week for McLean, so I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say make sure you hold Billings because I obviously did not. I think he's probably done. I would not be surprised at all 
if he gets dropped. And uh, as JB said earlier on his Twitter, if you can upgrade him to Spargo, that's uh, possibly <laughs> possibly something worthwhile. But I hadn't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not really far from the truth at this point in time. But Chizo, just a couple of uh, other things that we probably should mention. Webster himself averaging 99 points per game this year. A very much a POD option. I can't really... I'm, I'm not going to go all out and predict whether or not he's going to keep it up for the rest of the year, but it's certainly a, a strange and unique POD option uh, to consider, especially with Savage um, going 93. So both of the rebounders um, off that halfback line for Saints are doing particularly well. Would you call time on the Hunter Clark experiment, or what are we, what are we looking at here? Because at the end of the day, he's just not scoring well. Look, just because I tell you the guys that are spudding up my midfield bench doesn't mean you have to bring them up on the podcast, okay? Um, <laughs> Hunter There's Clark. so many spuds, Chizo. <laughs> oh, dear. Hunter Clark, um, he's just... I've stuck with him because I've had so many other issues that I've got to deal with. So he's just... He's still sitting there with Barry on my, my midfield bench just ticking along, scoring 40. So I... He's at a stage where he's made no money. He's not really going to lose money with the break even that he's got. I mean, he could, but um, he's probably he's not going to hurt me if he does have a bad score. So I've got I've got no reason to trade him. Like if I have um, I've got a Banfield that I'll be looking to go to Aspargo this week. That's where I can actually cash in some money and and use that to to upgrade somewhere. There's no hurt having someone like a, a Hunter Clark on the the midfield bench if you can if you've got coverage for a donut or something like that, like a a Holman or a Brayshaw on on the midfield bench. So um, if you've got him, there's no real rush to get him out. I'm sure you've got other things to deal with, but just rest assured he's not really going to make any money for you. I think the interesting thing is that. Even though Saints are doing so poorly, kind of it's a, it's a good thing for Hunter Clark owners because he's surely not going to get the blame. Like they're they're going to have to play the youth. They're they're not making finals uh, at this rate, and Hunter Clark is you know the future, and they're just going to have to keep playing him, and they're going to have to play the Caulfield as well, and and you know get these players back in their side. Well, get make sure that they have good job security for the future, and if they're dropped, they'll have to come back in their side quickly as well. So um, if you do own those players, at least you know that they're just going to be in and out throughout the whole season, probably have quite decent job security. But Shizo, touching on the Melbourne side, um, look, Michael Hibbard, we're talking about Billings being bad and trading him out. Hibbard, everyone jumped off. He's now gone 96 and 99 in his last two games. Is Hibbard back or is it this just... Um, an outcome because he's playing such poor quality sides in the last fortnight. Mate, he's an all-Australian defender that is in the prime of his career and he's got great <laughs> dip- great disposal efficiency. Why would you jump off, JB? Why would you jump off? Because you know this is going to happen to you. You know that he's just going to come out and go bang, bang, and you're going to have to throw in the towel. And, and uh, I think what he, he said the other week, if, if Hibbard goes 100 the week that he traded him out and we were doing Hibbard watch, the quarter time, half time, three quarter time, just updating the scores. We had a, a, a quite a few travelling where the JB was actually going to quit Supercoach for good. Um, uh, is he back? I don't think he's going to be a top uh, four or five defender. He's going to if you've still got him at this stage. There's like there's no point in getting rid of him. You had to get rid of him right at the start. So 
Um, if you've got him, then consider this what he's going to do for the majority of the year. He's not going to be um, the likes of a Yo or a Simpson that can put out absolutely massive games on every, any given week, but he's going to be solid. Um, he de- he does rely on getting a fair bit of the ball as well. So um, if Melbourne aren't getting enough of the ball between their um, quality users, he is going to score pearl- uh, poorly. But I can see him going 90 from, from here till the end of the season. So I've got no problem with him at the moment. That's a huge call, Chiefs. I definitely think in the next two games where they play Gold Coast and Carlton, more quality opposition, um, that he's going to... <laughs> probably score particularly well. I mean, he racked up 28 touches, but I'm seeing him at the moment and, and noticing he just needs nearly 30 touches a game to not break 100, to just get in the 90s. And yeah. I really think for the back half of the season, if he's going to get 20 touches, he's scoring 70. Like, I can't really realistically see him averaging 90 from this point onwards. I still think that um, 80 to 85 is what you're going to get. But at the same time, if you've held him this this long... It's just not worth trading him out no. because on the off chance he goes 90, as you said, he's put out two two good scores in a row. On the off chance, it's just worthwhile holding him. Yeah, and the the one thing that I'll mention on that, just to reiterate your point, Shane Savage before the round was the had the fifth most handball receives um, or uncontested contested possessions, I forget. Anyway, he, he, he was one of those link players out of the back line, the, one of the players they give the ball to so that he can deliver it up the field. As soon as he's not getting that exposure and he's only getting 20 touches, he is only putting up 70 points. So he does need the 25 touches to be able to rack up those points. I think that's the same thing we're going to see with Michael Hibbard. He puts up a 100-odd score with 28 touches. If he only gets 20, he's not going to score well. So we do have to hope that he goes back to his role last year where he was the get-out player, where he was always getting the, the handball receives and delivering up the field. Um, Rory Laird... Um, fantastic scorer in our defense is the number one in the competition for that for a particular reason so the reason he gets so many touches a game is because he's getting those handball receives and those uncontested possessions so it's a common theme we see across our quarterback um halfback flankers if they're not getting the touches they're not getting the score they're not going to get it in contested possessions or tackles and intercept marks and things like that so you're absolutely right in the fact that he does need 28 touches to get that score it's whether he's going to be able to keep his disp- uh, disposal numbers up because last year he averaged above 25 for the entire season and that's why he had such a good year. Now, that, I mean, that's great summary, Chizo. appreciate you putting it uh, in, in, in words that I guess everyone can, can agree with. But let's jump to Petrapa. 40 points, Chizo. If you have him... When is the ideal time to trade him? I'm not even going to consider the the possibility of holding him. So tell me, when is the best time to trade him? Now. Get rid of him. Sick of him. Just, just... <laughs> Imagine being off him all preseason and trading him in like 30 minutes before lockout from McLean to Petrapa. Like, now, you'd be you disappointed, ca- wouldn't you? You'd <laughs> you be disappointed. Up, <laughs> you came up with the nickname Petrapa. You, you, you shouted it on every podcast. It's a trap. You called him Petrapa. I only found out last week that you had him. <laughs> I didn't realize, Jesus. Mate, I didn't either. I forgot. All right? <laughs> ben and Chris are just going to give me an absolutely hammering on Twitter on that. They, they uh, certainly are. And oh, no. deservedly as well. But um, let's quickly just jump to Charlie Spargo. He's now on the bubble. He's scored well in his first two games. Obviously, he is the trade target. Um, I think everyone's looking at getting him. But Chizo, the most important thing for getting a rookie is not—it's not really their scores. It's actually their job security. I mean, do you think 
that he's going to be somebody that is out next week for, for the Demons? Or is he, where is he on the pecking order um, for Demons at the moment? Well, that's the really worrying thing because you've got um, Christian Salem one to two weeks away with a broken thumb. Jack Viney's only one to two weeks away. Um, you've got the likes of uh, Harley Ballack might be getting some time across the halfback line, but um, wouldn't be someone that comes in straight away. They've got a couple guys that if he's the 22nd um, player picked in the side he's going to have to force some players out. So maybe a Mitch Hannon gets uh, gets forced out from his poor performance. And that's the thing. You should really be rewarding guys that are playing well over guys that are performing poorly. So if he keeps his, uh, his, his, uh, his performance up, there's no reason why he can't keep getting games because... There's definitely guys that are playing worse than him. They absolutely love him, and he's just uh, he's hard at it. He does all the right things. There's no reason why he won't get another string of games, and I'm pretty confident that I'll be bringing him in at least for the next two weeks. He should be getting games, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've pretty much said it. I'm, I'm hoping he gets many more than two games, but I think he's got at least two games in him, which is enough to make a quick 100K because that's how well he has been scoring, kind of like Jack Higgins, but... Um, fingers crossed he gets to play at least throughout the buys because it, it's not a great feeling trading in somebody now so close to the buys thinking that they might not even make it to the buys, Chizu. But at this point in time, um, he does still seem like the, the best bubble boy. But we'll, I think we'll, we'll rank them um, at the end of the team. So let's let's jump into the Lions versus Pies games, Chizu. Yeah, this was an absolute ripper. Like, uh, I think... Um... The Zork is back. Do we jump on, Pistol? Is this is this the time? He's lost all that money. This could be it. I mean, you do worse than having Zorko as your M9 at the end of the year, Chizo. But I don't think that you can just jump on like now expecting him to average 110 for the rest of the season. I do think he is great value. And if I wasn't already pretty much out of trades, I would definitely <laughs> consider um, jumping on him and then just... You know, with the aim of pushing him to M9 at the end of the season, but really, when you you, you notice he's at three games, forty or less, almost, you you kind of think, well, he got down to that price for a reason. He's probably going to get tagged in the future, and I'll just pick him up as my M9 later in the season. Yeah, it's not like that. Collingwood is a close checking side, shall we say? No, not at all. We we don't tag. Yeah, so. He just needed one of these games. I know Sidey was spending a bit of time running with him, but it was just more of a head-to-head. It wasn't really a, um, you know, sitting on top of him and doing a Ben Jacobs kind of job because that's not what Side Bottom does when he's um, he's running together. They match up on each other. They don't um, kind of tag each other. So this is this is why people tag Zorko. Like everyone's you know saying what a pathetic player he is and he needs to learn to break the tag and all these things. They sit so hard on him. Because he can do Dangerfield and Dustin Martin-like things. You know, 40-odd touches and um, and four goals. You know, there's a reason that they tag this guy. He's an absolute freak. If he gets off the leash, he's going to be a fantastic scorer. So um, I just wish that he'd done this around the bye so he could have an M9. Wouldn't that be good? That would be unbelievable. But, Cheese, I know you've been waiting the entire podcast to talk about one person <laughs> that's very special in your heart. And I just want to give you the platform to tell us all why he is possibly the F5 that we've been looking for for the entire season. Please, please talk us through your take on Mitch Robinson. Oh, I love Mitchie. He's, uh, uh, my best mate is his second cousin. So, you know, we've got that connection um, uh, being Tasmanian boys. 
look, he's playing pure midfield. He's it's not like these guys like a Jack Billings that spend you know sixty minutes up forward um, and then twenty five minutes on the bench and then twenty five minutes running through. The, he just he plays on ball. And, and I tell you what, just as we spoke, I've just got a message pop up asking for Robbo and Steph Martin in the keeper league. So um, he he's it's because he's performing. He's getting that midfield time. He's just at hitting a hundred points every single week. There's there's no reason why he's going to drop off. I know you were talking to me about it. You're you're worried that his role is going to change in this um, underperforming, um, you know, youthful Brisbane Lions team. But he only knows one thing, and that's just to go head first at the ball in every contest he's near. So um, as long as he doesn't kind of revert to that 18 months ago tagging role, he's just going to average 100 for the year. And he's just not going to be as highly owned as everyone else. So um, it's just fun watching him being on your side. He's just a, a, a loose unit running through the midfield. He's great. <laughs> and he has a good buy as well. And he's a POD, as you said. So there's a lot of positives to the Robbo uh, pick. He's also still at a decent price, Chizo. So he's somebody that if you would like to jump on him now, maybe you, unfortunately you're priced out of McLean or you have McLean and Maybe you just need that other defender, but he's 496k. He's somebody that definitely has the potential to average 100 for the rest of the season, and he's he's just massively under the radar. So um, I definitely look at that. And Chizo, probably next time when I send you a keeper league offer, probably don't <laughs> announce it on air that I've just texted you during the podcast. But let's um, <laughs> let's let's quickly jump to the Magpie side um, because there's obviously I want to talk about the Magpies, but mm-hmm. um, I think. Someone that I do really want to talk about is Sam Murray because people are considering ditching him. He's got a break-even of, I think it's like 63 possibly or 73, something like that. But the interesting thing is he went at 54% disposal efficiency. Now, obviously, I watch every game. Murray is going to score 100-plus at some stage. He, he got 24 possessions. He had 17 kicks. Um, he intercepts a mark, he uses it not so well, which is why he's not scoring so well. But there's just going to be a game where he is going to get 25 touches and he's just going to score, you know, 110-ish. And I think that's when you wait for that moment and then you trade him out or you trade him out the buy. I don't really see him having a game where he scores like 30 unless he's tagged. So people that are considering jumping off him this week, I would strongly reconsider. I think Murray is somebody that you want to hold to the buy, at least. He's just, he's got that scoring potential, Chizo. Yeah, do not jump off Sam Murray right now because he had 101 dream team and only 76 super coach because his disposal efficiency sucked on the weekend. And you say that he, he doesn't usually have a great disposal efficiency. He does. He's usually a great user of the ball. The thing that I've brought up over the last few years, I call it the Matty Suckling Syndrome. They are so good with their kicking efficiency that they try for things that the normal player (laughs) wouldn't try for. And so you've got Sam Murray trying to split one guy in amongst four defenders and it gets turned over because he has the confidence in his left leg that he's going to be able to do that. You give it to a Braden Maynard that can't hit water if he fell out of a boat and he just kicks it to the safest option, and so he has a better disposal efficiency. There's going to be one of these games where Sam Murray doesn't have six clangers and goes at 54 He's going to he's going to have twenty four disposals at eighty percent, and he's just going to hundred and thirty. It's just going to be off the chart. So um, I don't think that he's he's reached his peak at all, and I I think that he's going to be uh, has a little bit more money to make, and I'd be holding him to his bite for sure. 
No, I, I definitely agree with you there. But um, you did mention Brandon Maynard. I'm just thinking people are trying to jump on uh, Flynn Applebee's now played two games. Maynard is listed as one week away, Chizo. You'd think that Appleby would come out for Maynard, so I probably would suggest maybe not hopping um, on Appleby. I know people are desperate for a defender rookie, but that's why we got to look towards Matty Eagles, Chizo. Did, did you? <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable that somebody from the recruit actually made it to the AFL. It's such a win for the show. It's such a win for the fans. Um, the the crowd was going absolutely wild anytime uh, Matty Eagles got near the ball, let alone touch the ball. Um, unfortunately, he's probably not going to be the best scorer around. Uh, he did, I think he was on 53 at, at three-quarter time, and he lost five points in the last quarter and to end on 48. But at the end of the day, we're going to need a downgrade option. He's He looks good. He looked like he's going to be able to play through the buys. 50 points is better than zero. And um, he's played one game. We'll just wait and see how he goes next week. But he's looking like that defender downgrade option to get instead of someone like Flynn Appleby. Does that does that make sense to you, Jizo? It does make sense. And this is a, a really good segue as we go into like the bubble boys just to finish up the podcast. I know that we're running long. I know some of you guys out there listening do like the long podcast on the Mondays compared to the Thursday. So uh, no apologies for me being on a Monday podcast because I don't <laughs> shut up, Pistol. Um, in reference to the number one trade of the week, which is Finlayson to Appleby, exactly right when you're talking about a Braden Maynard and you've got to remember there's a a few guys that are shuffling around there that aren't in the side as well Um, a few players that aren't far away like a a Ben Reid he's only a couple weeks away potentially with that Achilles so um, that's another player that's got to come into the side from the best 22 that somehow um, they've got to make room for Flynn Appleby as well there's the I think of all the rookies that we could potentially trade in he's the one Flynn Appleby's the one that's most likely going to be the first out if that makes sense. So, yes, Charlie Spargo has a few things that he's got to worry about in terms of job security, but he's performing well, so he's going to keep his spot. Flynn Appleby, you know, he, he's just starting his career in the AFL. He tries hard, but he's not really impacting the game as much. He's got a negative break even, and there's the potential, you know, to get sucked in because he, he's the only real defensive option that we can pick up this week. And a lot of guys want to, you know, trade the, the Finlayson and the Murrays and things kind of that. So uh, everyone's kind of just jumping straight on him because he's available. But I think you're much better served if you pick up the likes of um, a Ben Ronk or, you know, if you're doing a, a double downgrade or even a single downgrade, uh, pick a, a Charlie Spargo or a Ben Ronk um, instead. Um, I will jump through the guys that are on the bubble at the moment in the defense line. Uh, Flynn Appleby, 122,000, averaging 58, negative 42 break even. If we move into the midfield here, Pistol, we've got Kobe Much from Essendon, the long-haired beast, uh, outside uh, outside ball winner, averaging 59, 124,000, negative 44 break even. He's got reasonable job security, um, uh, especially because we're playing so poorly. However, I think there are some better options. I think I'll, I'll get you to rank them in a second here, Pistol, after I've run through them. James Warple for the Hawks, the uh, contested ball winner. Um, 117,000, average of 49, negative 27 break even. In the rucks, we've got Oscar McInerney. Somehow isn't impacting Steph Martin. He's averaging 60, 124,000, negative 45 break even. But the, the two that I like this week, Charlie Spargo, 117,000. Forward mid DPP, averaging 80, negative 89 break even. Only needs two more games to make his 100K. And Ben Ronk from Sydney, 124,000, averaging 79, negative 84,000 break even. They're the guys on the bubble there, Pistol. 
run me through the ones that you like, the ones that you don't like. I mean, you've pretty much uh, gone through everything, Chizo, but if I had to rank them, I think uh, in, in the top three in order as well, because that's probably more helpful. Um, I'd have Spargo, number one. Um, he's got the scoring potential, and he's playing well enough that you'd hope that at least that the job security would be there. The next one, I think, is probably more of an unpopular opinion, Chizo, but I probably would have uh, much at number two, just because I do think that the way things are going for Essendon, um, the kid's just going to get games, whether or not it's in a row or if it's at least um, sporadically. I, I think he's going to be in the team uh, more often than not for the rest of the year. And he hasn't done badly either. He, he definitely has not been near the worst. So um, I'm liking the job security for him. And I think he's somebody that he gets a lot of touches. So I think the scoring potential will come as well. Um, after that, I mean, it, it was very tough to split between him and Ronk. I think Ronk is also a very good option. I'm not that concerned as other people with Hanabry having to come back as well as Buddy. I think uh, that Florent probably gets a, a rest. It's just, you know, the next person. What happens after that? Um, then he probably is tiptoeing around with, you know, you've got the Pap- Paplis and the Haywood, but you probably don't drop those guys um, over, you know, somebody that's only played a handful of games. So uh, for me, job security wins over pretty much everything else. Um, and that's why I've gone that way. And Walpole, unfortunately, he's a mature ager and he looks like he's just someone that dominates in the VFL and he looks like he should, I think, be better at Supercoach than he really is, Chizo. He's just not performed that well and I think you probably have to have a hard pass on him as well. Yeah, uh, Walpole's one that I almost started the year because picked up in the draft last year. You know, He's exactly what Essendon needed, so I was really hoping he slipped... Uh, a couple more spots, obviously um, Hawks jumping in there a little bit early, but he's going to be a good player. The problem is we've got other, you know, you can only pick two in any given week, and that's why we talked about going early on someone last week. So I probably agree with that. The only thing I'd say with uh, with Kobe much is that you've got the likes of Dylan Clark absolutely tearing it to shreds in the VFL. I think it's uh, he's played four or five games in the VFL. Every single game he's got over 30, uh, 30 disposals. He's going to get a game at some point, particularly if he starts learning how to use his foot with the football because he can't kick to save himself. He is going to get some game time. If you've got Matt Guelphy, you've got Kobe Much, and you've got Dylan Clark in the side, there's three best 22 players that John Worsfold absolutely loves not getting a game. So um, there's only so many rookies I think you can play at once. Um, and at a stage where they need to win games, I don't think that they're going to be budding, you know, three or four debutants all in the same game. So that's the only thing that kind of worries me because I think they realise that if they don't win, you know, two out of the next three, their season's gone, and then they might start blooding a lot of these guys. So um, there's potential um, for him to go out if there are people performing in in the, the VFL as well. So they may not all play together. Um but, yeah, I think it's a toss of the coin between Much and Ronk. I'd probably go... Um, it's a tough one. I think probably I would disagree. I think I'd go Ronk because I think he does have that scoring potential because, um, you know, the, the Swans tend to get a little bit... Uh, a few more forward entries. I think Essendon are really struggling to get some uh, some good quality ball movement. And so Much as an outside player is going to struggle to get on the end of a few chains there, I think, whereas Ronk is just, uh, you know, he's he's got a, a, a powerful midfield that's going to be driving the ball in forward where he can get more of the ball. So you'd say he wouldn't get much ball? You're no. terrible. No. 
right, we'll, we'll move on quickly from that one. But uh, I did want to apologize uh, to the community for the last couple of weeks of the Gmail. Um, basically, long story short was I have just started a new job and I have underestimated the amount of time that I would have um, at the end of every day to get to the inbox question. So um, I've underestimated how long it would take me to respond to them. I've also underestimated how many that we'd be receiving, Cheezo. We're getting about 40 on a Thursday night. Um, yeah. That's just not possible for one one man to do. Um, and yeah, I've tried my best. I have missed out on a lot of them. I might need to call... Uh, Call, calm the jets on the uh, inboxes <laughs> for a little while while I get myself sorted out and can get into a routine where I'm able to answer all the questions. But you can definitely still inbox the page um, with any questions that you have and won't guarantee to be one of us answering it, but you'll still get, um, I'd say, good quality advice anyway, Chizu, but I may be a little bit biased. Also, I would like to run you through our Twitter handles. I'm purposely saying Twitter handles and not twitters because i've copped crap for the entire week uh from the missus because i said twitters instead of twitter handles um so here are our twitter handles chizo um with chizo's being chizo with a z underscore drse myself pistol underscore drse and jb just simply being jb underscore drse and yeah Tweet us any uh, questions that you may have, and we'll do our best to get back to you, Chizo. And uh, Chizo, thank you very much for coming on the Monday podcast and for having me. No, that's okay, mate. Yeah, we might see nicely on the uh, the Thursday podcast if he finds a, a way to catch his train on time this time. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's been uh, fantastic. Love the Monday podcast. Love being able to recap the games, particularly because you pick up a lot of things that I miss out on not seeing uh, every minute of every game. So the crossover of knowledge is fantastic, and it's always nice talking to you. All right, cheers and thanks, community. I appreciate it, guys. We'll catch you during the week, community.